I'm Alex Mellaris. And I'm Taisei Fu. And the playoffs start tomorrow. And today, as is tradition, I guess, for the third time, we're going to go through our brackets live on the show. I have no idea what yours is like. You have no idea what mine is like. And that's coming up very soon. But first, we're going to touch on some, some news for the from this past last week of the regular season. Starting with the end of the Will Vegas Make the Playoffs saga. And it ended with no, they won't. They lost to Dallas and Vegas, even though they hadn't officially uh, been eliminated at that point. They still had a very long shot to make it in. But I think the Vegas Twitter account even went something like, like that's the end or something like that. Or like, and, and there it goes or whatever. And everyone was like, wow, it's a pretty fat loser mentality. Yeah, and uh, I got to say the Twitter matches the team in terms of vibe because, you know, everybody was healthy. Well, not maybe not everybody. Obviously, they had these role players littering their LTIR, but the main guys were back. I don't know how healthy they were. They, they probably weren't 100%, but even then, uh, this team looked like a bunch of losers out there. I mean, honestly, I watched two of their games this week. Um, just, just you know, I know it wasn't assigned, assigned for the podcast, um, but I did, and we start with uh, their loss to the Sharks completely embarrassing i mean just when we were talking about it last week we we're like okay they're probably gonna beat the sharks and then we're gonna have this big showdown um against the stars coming up later in the week but you know they got off on the wrong foot i don't know how you lose to a team like the sharks when you got everything on the line and the reason is they just weren't engaged um what you know like mark stone doesn't look as as good as mark stone usually does and they just aren't able to generate as much offense as they should uh against teams that are worse than them on paper in terms of talent um with the sharks they blew what was it like a two they had a two goal lead with two minutes left against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, and they managed to get scored on with two minutes left. And then, was it, Timo Meyer scored uh, with one second left on the clock. Um, some real loser mentality shit. You lose to Thomas Bordalo scoring in the shootout. I think no, but none of the Vegas Knights scored, if I recall correctly. Uh, and so that was a big fail. Uh, so, you know, you, but then you got you come in, you got to beat the Stars. And, and preferably in regulation. Uh, they can't manage to do that. They head into the third period with a lead, um, but they still can't hold on to them. They can't stop Jason Robertson. Scores two goals. What a stud. Uh, and they lose in the shootout. Some real loser shit. I don't think they scored a goal in that shootout either. Uh, and yeah, they just there was no sense of urgency. There was no sense of engagement. And there was no sense of juggernaut vibe from Vegas. So I think you got to start with the coach. You look at him. Uh, Peter Boer's got to go. Honestly, replacing uh, him with, you know, replacing Gerard Gallant with him questionable choice in the first place uh but uh yeah and then they lost the blackhawks in a fucking shit three straight shootout losses uh to two bad teams and arguably three bad teams this week so you know they just they, they missed the playoffs by what three points um they were four behind the stars and you just look at these missed opportunities uh if they beat the blackhawks you beat the sharks hell you beat the the stars if you win those three games you're in the playoffs right um or you don't lose that fucking game to the devils last week it's just there was no they weren't locked in you're dropping points left and right. Uh, this is what happens. They're done. Yeah. Um. Before the, that Vegas tweet was basically right at the end of the shootout against Dallas. There was like Heiskanen in checkmark Carlson X. That's that. And that's how it ended uh, for them. Um. Yeah. On Peter DeBoer, there's, there's basically no way he's coming back. Not just because it was an utter disappointment for Vegas this season. Uh, but there was some dra- drama with him and Robin Leonard lately, too. I don't know if you've been following it that closely. I hadn't been. Um, but they appear not to get along and like each other very much. Um, for like when when Robin Leonard uh came back, it was 
the game, he was back for the game against the Devils. I think he'd been back for a while, maybe actually. They lost that one 3 2, and DeBoer basically threw him under the bus. Said, like, oh, we got out goalied uh, by, you know, the fucking Devils, who are notoriously, you know, have the worst goaltending this season. And then later on, someone asked him, like, um, if Robin Leonard had maybe, was maybe, like, I don't know, playing through something or not 100%. And he was like, oh, physically, he's 100% fine. And it's like, these, you know, these little, like, uh, small jabs at him that kind of build up into being like what are you so you're saying that i don't know that you know obviously it's different with robin leonard because of uh his history of mental health struggles and so it's very odd and kind of insensitive perhaps for peter DeBoer to be like oh yeah you know to imply that you know his head isn't in the game or whatever um so i think Peter DeBoer is definitely out of there. Even if even if this little rift hadn't happened or isn't real, he's just you know, he was another failure this season, as you say. It was probably a terrible decision to fire Gulan in the first place after like one bad week, uh, and the market this offseason is probably going to be flooded with great coaches. I think a bunch of them uh, have expiring contracts. I think only like like what 20 out of the 32 coaches are like locked in for next season some something like that so there's going to be a lot on the market right so if now's the time uh to honestly get anyway behind there he sounds like an asshat from everything that we see uh and yeah as for that laner thing i think was it last week uh on the episode we were like unsure what, what the what the season ending injury situation was like yeah um, yeah right so yeah at the end of the day it looks sounds like they held off on the surgery for Laner that he wanted um, for like a few days because of like cap, cap implications that they, they couldn't call anybody up uh, because they activated somebody and it was a whole thing. So they needed like an injured Robin Laner was the backup to Logan Thompson. I think it was, it was in the stars game or it was in the, it was maybe in the sharks game um, before they, you know, found the cap space had let him have the surgery. And you know, they're just like, it seems like the organization's kind of done with this guy, all these microaggressions, whether it's the coach um, you know, the, the statement that they put out doesn't really seem to back him out, back him up in terms of announcing the surgery. They said it was like, you know, like Robin's decided to have this fucking surgery. So it's not, it doesn't seem, or like with, with advice from the team doctors. So it doesn't seem like they're in tandem at all. And yeah, it, it like, you know, what do they do at goaltending moving forward? I think it's a valid question because it seems like the organization's done with them. I don't, you know, I think, you know, Leonard had a bad season in terms of, you know, performance wise, but also he just couldn't stay healthy. Um, which, you know, he's had problems with in the past, but for a team like Vegas that obviously, you know, we've talked at length about their decision to, uh, trade Ray Fleury for, for nothing and then do shit all with the cap space. Uh, and you know, like you're, you're, you're at a crossroads where you're still not committed. It seems a hundred percent, uh, to your, to your goalie moving forward. Yeah. I'm sure we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about Vegas over the course of the off season when that eventually comes, but yeah, it just feels like, you know. If you make that awful decision to trade Mark Andre Fleury the way you did for what you did, at the very least, you need to be all in with the other guy. Then a few months later, at the end of the season, you're like, "Ah, eh, no, we don't really like him much either. Let's try something new." It's just you know, it it feels like a team that it's you know very impulsive, treats their player like cattle, which we talked about at the deadline with the whole Evgeny Dadunov fiasco. Um, you know, always moving on from players onto the next shiny thing, trading Nate Schmidt for Alex Petrangelo. Even that was, you know, perhaps a smart hockey move. It's just kind of, you know, uh, part of a, a big pattern of just, you know, getting rid of players on a whim and then realizing you don't like the new guy like a year later. And I don't see how this is uh, sustainable. And we see now it hasn't been, you know, things have f- 
fallen apart. They missed the playoffs, and they were supposed to be gunning for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so just all-around bad vibes. It seems that they've really burned any goodwill from anybody outside of their fan base in remarkable fashion. Uh, I mean, like, you know, there's yeah, everyone hates them. Pretty, pretty hated organization. Not just because it seemed like, you know, like, okay, sometimes we see uh, a good play, a team that should be in the playoffs and they're maybe about to miss it. And so, you know, people cheer against them just for the chaos. Um, but I see some real animosity out there uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm sure part of it is like maybe some jealousy, uh, but also just like straight up bad vibes from the organization. I got to say, I got to say. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. If we can move on from Vegas, you're you're right. There's a uh, lot of time to talk about them in the off season. Uh, so some other news talking about uh, you know, players involved in that 2020 trade uh between the Vegas Knights and the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, who made the headlines. We have uh Malcolm Subban, uh, who <laughs> had, had a fun little bit this week. <laughs> I thought we were saving that for the end, but sure, let's go for it. You know what? The transition was there, and I'm gonna take it. Uh, no, it wasn't. The transition was to, we were talking about coaches getting fired. We were going to talk about Jeff Blaschel, but sure, let's go with your national anthem thing. Yeah, why not? Um, I, I saw two pats, and I took the one that I thought was had a better transition. Um, so, okay. uh, yeah, Malcolm Subban sang the national anthem. He's now uh, the, the Sabres backup. Nope, third string goalie. He's been injured for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, he came, it was a surprise thing. Just kind of out of nowhere. Uh, there seemed to be no real explanation for it beforehand. He just came out and fucking sang the national anthem. And uh, everybody seemed real hyped about it, both in the arena. Uh, the players looked all all uh, all happy and like laughing about it. It was just great vibes. Uh, and, you know, not to mention it was against his old team, right? It was, it was Buffalo versus Chicago. And, so, yeah, two two shitty teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. And they're just fucking around. And they're just like, you know, let's why not why not put one of our fucking third-string goalies out there to sing the anthem? Uh, and that's what they did. Everybody had a fun time. And it made for uh, a solid video clip on Twitter. Uh, if you're a fan of either teams going to that, you know, meaningless game at this point in the regular season. How, I don't even know how how that game ended or what happened in it. That's got to be the highlight. Like that that's a that moment makes history. When that's probably never happened before that a, an NHL player sings the national anthem at his team's game. Are you kidding me? That's insane. That'd be so, imagine if that happened at the game we went to. We would have lost our minds. Um, and it was really. I watched the video. You know, I kind of had a big smile on my face the entire time. You know, he's not like you know gonna win any any awards anytime soon. But compared to you know the rest, the anthem singers all around the league. He fits in like he's not like decidedly worse than any of them. If this was some rando who's saying that way, I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. I believe it. And as you say, the best part of watching that video was the reactions from all his teammates and his former teammates, too. They were, you know, so hyped up, laughing a bit, you know, extremely loud stick taps, especially because Star Spangled Banner is an extremely difficult song to sing. It has a massive range, which is why, you know, you got to start low. And you could feel the excitement build as he like you know approach the climactic high note at the end. My my grandpa actually used to say, he he said something once like about the American national anthem like oh who would ever write such a terrible song to sing how cruel something like that. But guess what? Malcolm Subban went for it, and it was it was it was a lot of fun to watch. Right, it was quite the musical rendition. Uh, and uh, yeah, we were talking before we started recording. You had a you had a, f- a great idea you wanted to propose. Uh, moving forward, taking this as the uh, as the model, just given the great vibes that this gave. Yeah, why stop with Malcolm Subban? And why stop with players who want to sing in front of thousands of people? I say, before every NHL game, you pull up random.org on the Jumbotron and select one player at random on either team to perform the national anthem or anthems. 
And you asked, well, which anthem are they going to sing? And I said, we pull up random.org, put it on the Jumbotron, list of every country in the world with a national anthem. And you have to pick at random which country's national anthem will be sung by a randomly selected player. And this is the one thing that could get me to be in favor of singing national anthems before games. All right. Uh, if the country and the person singing it is randomized, I got to say, I'm going to add one uh, modification if I was in charge. It would be. To, to replicate this Malcolm Subban situation, if we have a player who was recently departed from the opponent from the away team, um, we have the we know that we we have them sing. Uh, doesn't matter which team they play for. Uh, if they if they recently played for, they have both recently played for both teams uh, on the ice. Send them out. I feel like that's got best vibes um, for for everybody involved. Oh, I have a new idea. Go ahead. I have a new idea to make this even better. We're just workshopping it. You pick, you pick one player at random from each team, and they have to sing together in tandem wow. as a duet. <laughs> you know, get some good, you know, friendly, you know, sportsmanship stuff, and then they shake hands afterward and say, "Best of luck tonight, friend," and we have a good old match between buddies. That's right. You know what? That's even better because you know Malcolm Subban has been injured. He wasn't dressed for this game. He came out in like a jersey and a shirt. Um, I just, yeah, I want the players in full gear. I want to yeah. <laughs> just pull up absolutely, <laughs> uh, and just start and start belting it as a duet. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with this, uh, and you're right. This would otherwise there's no uh, there's there's no good vibes associated with the national anthem. So you know, yeah. Here's the thing with the NHL. You know, a lot of people are talking about how you know they need to try and be more like the more popular sports leagues like the NBA the NFL. And what I think is that you're, you're out of your mind if you think the NHL is ever going to be anything like those leagues, as cool as them. They need to try to be cool in their own way, which is totally different, uh, which is, you know, select players to sing the national anthem, and they'll be extremely uncomfortable doing so. One part of the thing that makes the NBA and the NFL so exciting uh, is that a lot of the players and star players have big personalities, and they like to be on camera, and they like to put on a show. NHL players are notoriously the exact opposite. So I say, if you try and force them to put on a show that they'll be uncomfortable with, that's how you can be entertaining. Create <laughs> create an awkward feeling. There. You'll, you'll love to see it. Um, that would be some real NHL shit. They can't market their players properly, so you have to market their lack of marketability. You have to um, market I, the fact that they're not interesting. There we go. I, I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> just the, the quirky, awkward vibes from this league um, would be... Yep. Would be leaning. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna convince anybody that you're the cool new kids or cool any kids in town. Um. So yeah, yeah go for the awkward, awkward vibes. I'm here for it. And yeah, so yeah, that's good for Malcolm Subban. He rocked it. it. Was you know you couldn't help but but like that moment. Good stuff. Hmm. All right. Is it time for our brackets? Uh. Yeah. Sure. Well, we can quickly mention Jeff Blaschel. Uh, since oh yeah, he's finally gone. Yeah, now Good that I have, I have no transition for this one, unfortunately, kind of left myself on an island. Um, but uh, didn't, yeah, didn't sing the national anthem, Jeff Blaschel. <laughs> so yeah, Jeff Blaschel. Uh, yeah, no, uh, he, <laughs> there was no reason for him to be so long tenured. What was he? How many years was he behind the bench? Like five. Um, uh, he no, he got after he got behind the bench right when Babcock left Detroit, which was 2015. So oh seven God. seasons. What the hell? 
<laughs> he was the second he was the second longest tenured coach in the NHL behind John Cooper. That seems absurd. That seems extremely absurd. Uh yeah, no. There's he's done uh, nothing much, I got to say. Wholly unremarkable. Uh and they sucked shit this year. Did not take a single step forward, you know, giving up goals left and right so the system wasn't working. So, are we surprised he's gone? No. Maybe maybe a, maybe well, a bit. Took a little step maybe forward. Yeah, and uh but it was the step forward they took was a Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider addition step forward, not a Jeff Blaschel step forward. Exactly. Uh, it was a. It wasn't a uh, stop giving up ten goals a game once a month kind of step forward. <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. See you later. I don't see him uh, coming back anytime soon because uh, he didn't show anybody anything other than the power to stay on the job for much too long. So. Yeah, I, I, I can't say I, I can name anything notable that Jeff Blaschel's done in the last seven years other than being like, oh, he's still there in Detroit. Like, there's no other reason to talk about him. So, you know. Hey, he won one playoff game in 2016. Oh, there we go. Um, so so he leaves with one playoff game to his to his name. and One uh, playoff win. One playoff win. So there we go. Congratulations. Happy retirement, uh, <laughs> Jeff Blaschel. All right. All right, playoff time. Matchups are set. Yep. We're going to go through our entire brackets. And just like on bracketchallenge.nhl.com, I think we're also going to go for amount of games predictions for round one. Yep. Where would you like to begin? Uh, I feel like uh, we should save the Atlantic for last because it's it's the spicy time, unlike with the standings checkup. So let's go with the uh, – hmm. Should we go with the, the central? Let's go with the central. Why not? All right, let's go with the central. I'll, I'll start. Okay. Uh, with uh, the easiest pick, probably, Colorado versus Nashville, at least for me. I picked Colorado in four. I'm picking a sweep. I don't like to pick sweeps, but I felt in this case it was appropriate. Um, and for one main reason, which is that UC Saros is injured and his fate is up in the air. And that is a, a death sentence for Nashville. Plus, they're playing Colorado, who almost won the President's Trophy. But especially... I, dude, Nashville was in like the top wild card spot for most of the year. When we were looking at it, we were like, "Oh yeah, they're like ahead of Dallas," and they blew it at the end. And did you see how they blew it? Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> it, I guess the worst fucking team in the league. Uh, you yeah, wanna, they you were up four people. nothing. Yeah, they were up four nothing against Arizona. They lost five four in regulation. Even if they had made it to overtime, they would have played Calgary. They lost in regulation, so now they draw the more difficult Colorado Avalanche instead. Uh, so basically, without UC Saros, they have tripped and falled into the second wild card spot, and I say there's basically no hope for them. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, that that loss to Arizona was catastrophic. I mean, you know, it would be bad enough if you just give up the four goal lead to the Coyotes, um, but to but to drop that spot and then to draw the, the Avalanche now, uh, yeah, they're done. They're done, though. Uh, it's not. It's not even. I don't think it's up in the air anymore for UC Saros. Uh, they said four to six weeks. So. He's not coming back. It's David Riddick all the way. Uh, and big for, save, Dave. <laughs> it's big save, Dave. I I can't trust him to come up with the with enough big saves like this time around, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> we, Colorado's just too loaded uh, across the board. Even you know, Darcy Kemper has had a great season. Um, and yeah, it's just a <laughs> there. There's no stop. Honestly, there's like three great players on the Predators, right? It's like Forsberg, a resurgent Matt Duchesne, Roman Yossi's been great in the offensive zone. Um, but other than that, it's it's wholly a mediocre team. It's a mediocre team. Uh, and wild card, ninth place is about right for them. Uh, and you're going to get run over. I'm picking them in four. 
And <laughs> yeah, it's just the, the Avalanche are just too deep. They're a machine. And the Preds without Saros are completely lost. All right, we are in lockstep so far, my friend. I'll let you one. take the lead on the next one. Minnesota versus St. Louis. Probably a much tougher choice. Yeah, so this one's uh this one's interesting. Cause uh yeah, two two juggernauts who you look at it, you know, season series wise, like the blues. Uh we we saw that in the uh, in the matchup that they had earlier this regular season. They've won nine the last eleven times uh, over the last two seasons. But you know what? I don't put much stock in that. Um, you know, like it, they are they are both, you know. Off, very offensively gifted. Uh, we talked about how the Blues have somehow become an offensive machine, um, but I feel like the Wild they just have better top end talent. Uh, we, you know, like you have you have Kaprizov, you have Zuccarello, you have Hartman. We've talked about has uh, you know somehow made the jump to one C, uh, and you even have Kevin Fiala on the second line. And I look at the Blues lineup, and you know Tarasenko has been great, uh, and you know they have solid depth all the way down, but I. You you add the defensive uh, superstar that Jared Spurgeon is uh, that he's had this year, and uh, the fact that Marco Scandell is on the first fucking pairing, uh, not doing very. He's a bit of a liability in that position, I gotta say. And you got Jonas Brodin. Uh, it's just the, the Wild are just stacked with the depth, uh, and it feels like you know they're a team that, g- given you know St. Louis's offensive juggernaut status uh, with the defensive depth that they've got. Uh, I what's I don't know what the status on Matt Dumba is. Um, but if he's back, that's even more of a boost for them. Uh, on top of that, uh, I trust the wild goaltending more because they can bounce back and forth with great success uh, between Flurry and Talbot. I, uh, I'm picking them in six. I thought about seven, um, but you know, I, I think the, the the Wild's defensive prowess and their star power up front just just makes them too much for the Blues. Yeah, these are we were actually talking like last week and the week before. Both these teams are crazy hot over the past month or so. St. Louis uh, had a stretch very close to the end of the season where they won 12 out of 13 games in a row. And then they ended the regular season with two losses, one to Colorado and one to Vegas. Minnesota, taking a look at it right now, dating back from their last game of the regular season, which was a win against Colorado. It's win, win, loss, win, 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 overtime loss, win, win, win overtime loss and then they it goes on uh so both these teams are doing absolutely great and i'm thinking you know if st louis is going to win this series it will come down to forward depth and the fact that they have the flexibility to have you know that offensively excellent buchanevich robert thomas vladimir tarasenko line then they have ryan o'reilly on a separate line he won the selkie trophy a few years ago and then i think they have been having they put then they have Brayden Shen on the other line, sometimes with Jordan Cairo. So they have an amazing top three lines that I think is better than Minnesota's. Uh, on the other hand, though, Minnesota has has sorted out their lines in a very even way, where in they most of the season, I think as of late, they have you know the Kaprizov line with Ryan Hartman and Zuccarello. They have Kevin Fiala and Matthew Boldy on another line. Then they have Joel Erickson X centering the, the third line, who's Minnesota's best center. So they kind of have a similar makeup in that way that I think will be pretty good at neutralizing St. Louis's uh, top nine. And then, as you say, you look to the defense, you look to the goaltending. It's It clearly leans in Minnesota's favor. I trust either of Minnesota's goalies over either of St. Louis's, even though Billy Huso's had a pretty strong season. Um, he just, you know, he's still kind of an unknown quantity. 
partly because of how quickly he he jumped onto the scene. And Jordan Bennington is just not very good. And the defense, yeah, Minnesota, you know, even without Matt Dumba there, uh, you, you know, Marco Scandell on the top pair kind of speaks for himself. And if it's not him, then it might be Nick Letty. So I am leaning Minnesota as well on this one. But I did think about it a little bit, and I went seven. So the optics on this of St. Louis wins are still better for me than if they are for you. So I'm feeling good. Good for you. You hedged your bet. Uh, I, hope yeah. re- <laughs> I hope you feel real good about yourself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this one's this one's definitely a, a two watch series. You know, like you gotta watch it if it's on. Absolutely. Um, because you know it's just they're as you said they're both red hot, uh, and they're both you know offensively driven, which you can say that often about the wild in their franchise history, but uh, here they are. And they're great defensively too. So a very well-rounded team in the wild. And so I'm excited to watch them. Um, If they do make it to the second round, that should be a very fun matchup uh, with likely the avalanche. Um, All right. So we can move to the Pacific um, where we have a couple of matchups. Uh, The first one being the flames versus the stars. Uh, This is another one much like Colorado and Nashville, maybe not as lopsided, uh, but but still, it does feel like you know the Flames are the much better team. Um, the the Stars kind of stink. I mean, I watched them against Vegas. It was a must a must win game for them. Well, maybe not must win, um, but it was a very important game for them too, um, given the implications. And they really only looked like a one line team. Um, it was just you know Robertson, Hints, and I think it's Pavelski on that the third guy on that line. But it's really yeah. Robertson and Hints that drive it. Um, yeah, I mentioned Robertson scored two goals. He's been electric. He's I think he's at, he hit forty goals. Um, in a second season, uh, but aside from that, there's really like you know the, the the old the old guard there with Ben Sagan, not really good anymore. Radulov's on the fourth line. Guriano's taking a massive step back. Um, that might be a coaching thing, but you know he spent time in the fourth line, uh, and yeah, it's just it, the four the four core is not strong at all. On the other hand, you have Calgary. Uh, they have an equally potent first line. With uh, you know Gaudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk, where they've really top loaded that, um, and you know I think Gaudreau hit hundred points, or maybe it was, no, it was Kachuk that hit hundred points, something like that. Um, no, they've been they crazy. both actually. Yeah, no, just just ridiculous for the Flames, uh, and they have they have a solid second line, not elite, but a very solid one. Man, Japan has been great this season, kind of slowed down down the stretch in terms of the scoring, but he's still been fine. Uh, back you have Backlund and then Toffoli, who's kind of slowed down since the since his uh, toward start. Um, and and yeah, you know the bottom six is is the bottom six. You have Blake Coleman, cool, doesn't move the needle much, but probably the best bottom six guy on either team. Uh, and yeah, defensively you have Hannafin and Anderson, who've been fantastic this season. Um, Jacob Markstrom has been great. You even have a shutdown pairing in Shillington and Tanev, um, who have worked great as you know they have a great top four too. So it's just they're very well rounded. And you know Dallas has Heiskanen and Klingberg, I guess, but not much else. So. I, t- I take the uh, the flames in five. All right, uh, you know that I'm always you know on the lookout for upsets. Oh God! And I gotta say, this Jesus one is, was ripe for the picking. No, I'm no. picking the stars. Oh, stars in seven. Wow. Here's why. Okay. I have reasons. All right. Let's hear it. I have reasons. Yep. Okay. Reason number one: Calgary has been exceptionally healthy this season and incredibly like they've missed like Monaghan's the only one who's missed, you know, serious stretch of time. He's out for the rest of the year. And we talked about how he wasn't even very effective this season. So that loss maybe felt a little bit, but overall all the flames, best play, not even all the flames, best players, all the flames players have missed like no time. 
they've had their six defensemen play, I think, almost every single game this season. Maybe they, I think, rotated like Connor Mackey and Michael Stone in and out a bit, but not because of injuries, just because they felt like it. So, that is one reason why I think the Flames' record may appear to be better than the team actually is, because of that aspect of the luck. Reason number two. I still don't trust the Nikita Zadorov and Erica Branson bottom pairing, especially in the playoffs when you're playing the same team in and out. All The three games that Dallas is going to have at home, they are probably going to try their best to get that top line out against that bottom pairing as often as possible, and I think it could eat Calgary alive. Reason number three, Markstrom's been very good this season, and you know, sometimes goaltending regresses. That's a bit of a bad reason. But it, it happens, all right? When goalies do really well, they might slow down a little bit. And the, the biggest reason, actually, was because I just couldn't shake it out of my mind. Now, Calgary won the Western Conference in the regular season in 2019. And they flamed out, no pun intended, in round one in such catastrophic fashion that all of a sudden it was just everything turned off, you know? Uh, they, they weren't generating chances at all. They weren't scoring at all. I think they got... Didn't they they get they got shut out like I don't know, three times in five games? Maybe it wasn't that extreme. I remember Mike Smith was on the Flames at that point, and he was doing so well, and they still lost in five. And it was like all the offense just dried up just like that. And I know we don't like to be like, oh, you know, he's a choker, so I'm picking against him. Johnny Gaudreau choked incredibly hard in that matchup, and the entire team just kind of you know fizzled out so aggressively right as the playoffs began that. I'm, you know, it would it would take some convincing for me to be like, yeah, I'm 100% certain it's not going to happen this time because how do I know it won't happen this time? So there, I think out of all the the big upsets, I think this is this is one to that that could occur. So I'm picking it. Right. Dallas and seven. Interesting pick. Fascinating pick. Um, yeah. To your point about injuries, like I get that they've been healthy, like inordinately so. Uh, and maybe that disadvantages them against other teams that have been more injured and are healthier now. Uh, you're thinking about maybe a Colorado um, who've had, you know, a lot of their stars been out for long stretches. Um, but your assumption doesn't work unless certain flames get injured, like their injury luck st- starts to take a downturn. Uh, and, you know, aside from Monaghan, we haven't really seen that. Like everybody seems to be healthy moving forward. So well, I don't. Th- I don't think that's necessarily true because their record in the regular season is built off playing other teams that had a bunch of injuries at the time. So Dallas, whose injury list uh, just includes like a couple goalies right now who weren't going to play anyway, and day to day John Klingberg, they're pretty much at full health as well. So I think that my by that I think it does work. I think that excuse right. does work. Sure. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I, 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 I maintain that I watched Dallas even at full health against Vegas and they sucked. I was like, this is not, this does not inspire any confidence aside from when, you know, Hinton Roberts are on the ice. Uh, it's just, there's, I feel like there's, you know, if you can manage to limit the damage, I feel like, you know, maybe, maybe the Robertson hints line manages to dominate that third pairing. I feel like everybody else dumb, you know, everybody, every other line, uh, or especially the top six for the, for the flames. Um, eats the stars alive so you know but they do give choky vibes and, and granted in any other situation in the pacific where i like you know it doesn't feel as weak i probably have the flames losing in a matchup um but i gotta say it feels like the pacific kind of stinks this year in terms of its teams that it's offered other than the flames so i have a hard time picking against it but i i do 
understand the chokey vibes. I will grant you that. Yep. I grant you that. The chokey vibes. And you know, I'm just I'm just a believer in Dallas. All right. Oh, God. I like I've, I've liked the way their team looked. I like the way their defense looked. At the beginning of the year, I said they'll finish second in the central. It's a bit of an overshoot, but I still think, you know, this team is built uh decently well. Maybe they don't need to play Luke Glenn Denning quite as much as they do, but besides that, I think they're all right. All right. We'll see. We shall see. So yeah, we have finally differed. Uh, and you took the big upset here. All right. So yeah, do you want to dive into the other? You want to take the take the lead on Oilers versus Kings? I sure will. So I think some people might be disappointed when the Battle of Alberta matchup that everyone's been waiting for for a couple of years inevitably doesn't happen <laughs> because either the Flames lose or the Oilers lose or both, and that's what I think is going to happen. The LA Kings are going to beat the Oilers, and it's because they're playing the Oilers. That's literally the the reason why. All right, I saw what happened last year against the Jets. I talked about it last week or the week before. I saw what happened when McDavid and Drysaddle aren't able to draw any penalties. I saw what happened when their goaltending was as bad as it's always been. And the LA Kings, you know, is is this year's LA Kings team even as good as last year's Jets? Maybe, probably, like, around the same level. And the Oilers are, like, you know, maybe a tad better. Sure, they've added, you know, Zach Hyman and Evander Kane or whatever, you know, nice, nice pieces, very good, good top six forwards, but you know, the fundamental core of the team that's in place and the fundamental problems that have plagued them in the playoffs, especially are still there. And I don't think, you know, just because they finished higher than the Kings in the regular season or whatever is going to make a difference. Cause that's what happened against the jets. I see similar things going on, going on again, LA and five, Wow. Okay. Five. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay. You're, so you're, you're banking on a big Oilers. Like they're going to get Oilers. Uh, I, I said the Oilers in seven. I think this, this is. Oh, uh, traded. Oh, wow. You're really falling for it again. I am falling oh, for so it. You're so stupid. Yeah, what are you using some kind of jabroni? I'm like, <laughs> I guess I am. I'm an absolute clown man. Uh, but look, I start at the goaltending. All right. You talk about last year's Jets. They had Connor Hellebuck. Uh, you, t- you look at. This year's Kings, they have Jonathan Quick, who's like 40 years old. Now, granted, the other goalie is also 40 years old, and is, but it's, you know, Mike Smith. much closer to 40, i.e. actually 40. Okay, fair enough. But Mike Smith has had a fantastic April. Now, I'm not buying what Mike Smith has been offering, but Sounds I, like do, you are. I do buy it more than Jonathan Quick. I'm not, I'm not completely sold on Mike Smith, but I don't know. Seems like he's got to figure it out recently. Now, if he fell off a cliff in game one and it had to last the entire time, would I be surprised? Absolutely not. Uh, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the Kings. I feel like they they don't have the, the talent on the roster to take advantage of, you know, let's say Drysaddle and McDavid do get neutralized or slowed down by Kopitar and Dano, um, who would be probably doing the shutting down defensively. Um, it just doesn't feel like the talent is there in the rest of the lineup, uh, you know, in like the bottom six and whatnot to kind of push the Kings over the edge. Right. It's like, you know, it's just like, even if the first two lines are a wash and that's a massive if, because we're talking about McDavid and Dreisaitl, obviously. Uh, and we're talking about a big power play. Uh, you know, they always have a great power play uh, in the all season. We're talking about, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins still on the third line. And, you know, it's, it's like, the, the, I don't, I don't, there's like no talent on the Kings. There's no finishing talent at all. Uh, we're talking about Andreas Athanasiu on the first line. 
It's just I can't I can't buy that. You know what I mean? Like, sure, maybe maybe they get maybe McDavid and Dreisaitl, and that that's the huge that's the big thing, right? Like they don't have the McDavid, they don't have the Dreisaitl, and even if they do manage to slow them down, they have nothing to kind of push back afterwards. So tough sell on the Kings. Your logic is commendable, I have to say. You it seems like you put a lot of thought into this. Hope it works out for you. <laughs> I hope I hope I, to see the Edmonton Oilers and their incredible talent succumb to the loss of logic for the first time okay. ever. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um yeah, there's some things just can't be explained. Um mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Off to the east. Shall we go to the Metropolitan? Sure thing. Starting uh Carolina Boston. What what's your take over here? Yeah, this is a this is a really fun one. Um this one I think the series hinges on when is Freddie Anderson back? That's the first thing. Um, because otherwise, I think they're two very even teams in that they're both, you know, excellent in the defensive zone and they have very nice offensive pieces. Um, but, you know, it looks like Anderson's not going to start game one. That's a big L for Carolina because, you know, we're talking about, I think it's anti-Ranta. I think he's healthy. Uh, he has, you know, his injury, he's managed to recover. And I think that's a big swing because Freddie's been great and anti-Ranta's anti-Ranta. And, you know, otherwise... This, I think this series is going to seven. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Boston Bruins in seven games because uh, the, the the one factor that kind of gave me that one last push is that, you know, Carolina just hasn't been able to make that, uh, you know, those leaps in the playoffs. Um, and you add the fact that they don't have their starting goalie in game one and who knows for how long. Uh, I think it's close. I think it's a very tight series. I think... Carolina has definitely has the depth advantage at forward, um, but with Boston, you know, Jake, Jake DeBrusque, we've talked about him, him being able to, you know, integrate into that first line, and David Pasternak has been great on the second line, and, you know, they, they defensively, it's, I think Boston's made it pretty close. I think Carolina still has the edge, uh, but, you know, McAvoy's been fantastic. Matt Grizzlick has been solid. Uh, so I think, I think I give Boston the edge, especially, you know, we know already game one, anti Rant is not going to be there. You mean Freddie's not going to be there? Yeah. Uh, exactly. yeah. I, uh, I'm i leaning Boston as well, believe it or not. I picked Boston in six. And part of the reason is, as you said, Carolina, over the past number of years, has a very hard time getting over teams that are around as good as they are. Besides in 2019 when they beat the, the Capitals in seven games in the first round. But Washington's a whole different story with what they've been up to in the playoffs. So there's that. And I just say there's a Freddie injury, but I'm I think I'm concerned in a different way than you are, because Anti Ranta has been pretty good this year, and actually throughout his career when he's been healthy, he's been okay for the most part, uh, and it's just the fact that he tends to miss you know 80 percent of seasons with injuries is the problem. What I'm worried about is they're gonna rush Freddie back before he's ready to go, and we know from his time in Toronto that 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 is a terrible idea. And I think that Freddie coming back in game two or game three when he's at like 75, 80% and not 95 or 100 could actually end up sinking the Hurricanes rather than just saying, you know, we believe in Ranta. Because even the past week of the season or so, uh, when Freddie's been injured, he hasn't lost a game. Huh. Interesting. Well, it is regular season competition after all, but, you know, but you're right. Freddie, Freddie injured. And it's we still like it was like a weird non-contact injury if I recall correctly. You don't want to rush that, um, mm-hmm. but I think they, <laughs> I think they're kind of forced to 
I think they will. Um, he, you're not going to get him to a point where he's healthy enough for him to come back in the series, I don't think. Well, I'm not a doctor, but that's my assumption. Uh, and just the fact that he's not starting game one makes it hard to believe that he'll be ready, you know, like fully ready, maybe like physically later on in the series. Uh, and So keep yeah. anti-Ranta in. He's been good. No reason to take that risk with Freddie. Yeah, you're right. But I think I think Freddie has just been, you know, a step above. And so if you're Carolina, that was before he got injured. You're right. That was before he got injured. Absolutely. But I think I think I think it's tempting for Carolina to put him in, right? Because you do see that, you know, a drop off in play. Like I'm not saying Aranta's bad, but you know, Freddie's just been excellent. So if you're Carolina, you're probably thinking to yourself, if he can go, we gotta put him in. Because this is a very good team we're going up against. All right. Best of luck with that, Carolina. Hope it works out for you. All right, next, another interesting one because we both picked the Bruins. Rangers versus Penguins. Oh, fun. You might remember last year, uh, I picked the Penguins to go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. Bad pick. Tristan Jari blew it for me single-handedly to the Islanders, and I went on a whole big rant about it. In the, in the And uh, that was way in the first round. The rest of the team was absolutely playing Stanley Cup Final caliber. This year, it hasn't quite been the case. They've kind of been, you know, stumbling through to the end of the regular season. It even looked for a while there like Washington might pass them and Pittsburgh would have to be Florida, but they they barely held on. Playing the, the significantly worse New York Rangers, who we have both said we are not believers of for many reasons. Very high PDO, that type of thing. Uh, goaltending that may regress from Igor Shesterkin. But on Pittsburgh's side of things, not only have they been on, in a bit of a slump lately, Tristan Jari has gotten injured and been ruled out at least for the first two games of this series, uh, and possibly for longer. So now it'll be Casey DeSmith starting for Pittsburgh. And I had already been leaning New York based on how Pittsburgh had been doing, and that sealed the deal for me. I'm going Rangers in six. All right. Uh, I am going to go with the underdog this time. I'm taking the Penguins in six games. Um, I think everything in my body pulled me towards the Rangers. Uh, you know, obviously, you have the Jerry injury. You have Pittsburgh backing up into the into the playoffs, playing very poorly down the stretch, and the Rangers playing very well down the stretch. Uh, but I don't know, just the vibes. I don't feel like rolling the Rangers with a pick this time around. And you know, the Penguins' <laughs> depth, the Penguins' depth is solid. I think forward wise, their bottom six is better than the Rangers. And you know, defensively, uh, eh, it's it's pretty equal. Maybe you give the edge to to Pittsburgh. Because the Rangers he, have Adam Fox. Yeah, Adam Fox, but then everybody else. Who's there? Where's everybody else? You know, like he, his partner's Ryan Lingren. That third pairing stinks. Who's on the third pair? Like Patrick Nemeth. Terrible. Terrible. Mike Matheson's on the Penguins' third pair. He's been great. So eat that. Um, yeah, I'm defending Mike Matheson. That's right. Um, bad times. But, you know, you got Sidney Crosby, obviously, on the Penguins. And Evgeny Malkin's taking a step back, but he's still there. So. I'm taking the Penguins off of vibes. This one may not age poorly. Uh, this might. This one may not age well. Uh, I, I gotta say, but that's why I'm not taking them in the second round. I, it feels like a low risk. Ooh, spoilers for me to for me to I, take the Penguins here. I was the opposite way. The entire season in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm not picking the Rangers in round one. Whoever they're playing, I don't care. You know, this isn't sustainable. I'm picking against the Rangers. Then all of a sudden, they're running to this Penguins team that's missing their starting goalie. That's you know, slop tripped and fell into the playoffs. And I'm like, you know. I have to think for a second here and go, but I don't think I don't see Pittsburgh winning this one. That's fair. I man, it's that's scary. Like Shesterkin is scary though. Like he, he bounced back. He had like a that shitty too. March. It's like he had a nine thirty in April. 
<laughs> he just went ahead and did that. So, you know, don't love the matchup, I got to say. The Smith versus Shesterkin. That's kind of ugly. But <laughs> it's got to be, be some of the it. biggest disparity you've ever seen in a playoff goaltending matchup. Straight up. Um, and the Smith's had a bad season this year, too. <laughs> He's not been a great backup. Um, Are you rethinking your pick now? No, I'm not. I'm sticking to it. I'm going to be stubborn about okay. it. I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Pittsburgh. Everything else, everything sure. is telling me to screaming to take the Rangers. But I refuse to reward them. Too bad. Sucks to suck. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, off to the Atlantic, where we have some fun matchups. Uh, well, one fun matchup, notably. Uh, it, so we'll start with the, the less fun one. We have the, the Panthers and the Wildcard Capitals. And uh, this one, this one sure does feel quite lopsided, doesn't it? Uh, let me just one second. Uh, yeah, so yeah, wait. I'm reading here. Wait, wait one second. I'm I'm confused. It says what? No, I I see. It says Alex Ovechkin's exhibition team. Now that his goals don't count anymore, that's what I'm reading. Who the Panthers are playing? <laughs> that's about it, isn't it? Um, and even him, he's kind of slowed down recently. Uh, so yeah, they're just having fun. It just doesn't count anymore. He might as well not play. Why the hell not? What are they? What are they here for, anyways? <laughs> what are they here for, anyways? Uh, this team stinks. There's no there's no star power aside from Ovechkin. And like John Carlson's a fine defenseman who scores a bunch. Uh, but everybody's kind of taken a step back. Nick Backstrom especially. Not been the same since he uh, you know, got injured to start the season. And yeah, there's really nobody to kind of support Ovechkin. You know, because that's obviously regressed. Tom Wilson has regressed. Anthony Mantha's fine on the second line. Lars Eller is still on this team. Um, like someone I yep. completely forgot about. So... <laughs> Yeah, and, and who's John Carlson's partner on the first line, first pairing, you ask? It's... Martin Fairberry. Exactly. That's a bad omen. You got Vitek Vanacek as a starting goalie. Uh, it's uh, rough times for the Alex Ovechkin exhibition team, uh, and they're they're going up against a juggernaut. There's no other way to put it. Florida's just loaded, loaded, uh, especially really all four lines, um, but especially the top nine. They just got, they you know, Giroux's been great since they added him, so... So you have Barkov or Hagi Giroux, excellent top line. And you even fucking have Jonathan Huberto to clean up second line. And Sam Reinhardt's been electric on the third line. So it's just like, you know, just up and down the lineup. And then you have Aaron Ekblad casually coming back. He might be ready for game one. He'll definitely be back at some point during the series. Uh, and yeah, even even like Gustav Forsling has had a great season. So it's just, this is just a loaded team. So, and, and you know, it doesn't matter who their fucking goalie is. So there we are. So who are you picking? Oh, I still can't oh, tell. Don't right. leave us in such suspense. Yeah, Capitals in four. Um, <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm taking I'm taking the the Panthers in five. Ah uh, man, I'm tempted to change it to four, but I'm not a sweep picker. I haven't picked a single sweep. So I'm taking them five. All right, I am also picking Florida in five. And yeah, for all the reasons you said. Actually, I was skimming through an article on the Athletic about Washington and their goaltending situation. And Laviolette apparently to the press said about a month ago, like, uh, we want one of these goalies to step up and take the reins and become the guy, become the number one, either Vanacek or Samsonov. And then immediately they both started playing worse. Like they both <laughs> were like, they were both like sub 900 in April. And it was just like Vanacek, I guess he's like slightly better. <laughs> so he's the guy, I guess, going into the playoffs. Um, it has not been good for, for Washington. I think I, I saw a tweet from a Capitals fan uh, who I wish I could credit properly. Um, 
but you can probably Twitter search and find it. It was something like, when I say the Capitals are bad, I need you to understand I'm doing, I'm saying it as a compliment. And I feel like, I feel like that suits this team very well, especially, you know, they're, you know, they won a Stanley cup a couple of years ago. The old guys are, are still hanging around. There's kind of, you know, having a good time and being just barely good enough to make the playoffs and get clobbered. So I got to imagine it's probably a pretty good time to be a Caps fan and a pretty relaxing time. You know, you get to have fun. Ovechkin's career is going to be winding down over the next five years or so. <laughs> I know it's not exactly a winding down time, but, you know, you're you're in a – and he's going to break the record within the next few years. So that's, you know, a big thing to look forward to. And They know they're not going to win a Stanley Cup or go on a run anytime soon. So it's kind of just – we're here to have a good time. I think Florida in five as well. Honestly, if I'm Florida – I don't even see the reason to bring back Ekblad, Ekblad right in the series unless you know he's totally ready because you've been absolutely rolling even without him. Um, despite the fact that you lost 10-2 to Montreal in the game, you you scratched Barkov, Huberdeau, Bennett, Giroux, Marchment, Mackenzie, Weger, and started your third-string goalie. Um, but for all the, those reasons I just mentioned, I don't think that's much cause for concern. Yeah, they did play an AHL team out there. And uh, yeah, it, it really that 2019 or 2018 Cup, uh, for for the Capitals really kind of solved everything, didn't it? Like, and they're just you know if if they hadn't won it, you would feel some real like depression, you know. Like it's the Ovechkin franchise, but it's the sad Ovechkin franchise because he's not gonna win a cup. Yep. Um, but he won his cup. He fucking he danced in the fountain and all that, sh- you know, shit. And uh, now <laughs> they're just they're just vibing for the next fucking seven years after they win the cup. And good for them. I gotta say, we keep we keep talking about their vibes. It's just great vibes coming out of Washington uh, because they couldn't care less about winning the cup. And I, well, I mean, that's not true. I'm sure they'd love to win it, but I think they all recognize that it's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah. Your team stinks. So, and they're all old. Uh, so, you know, there we go. They're just vibing. They're happy actually, to be here. Know, remember like for Ovechkin's entire career leading into before the Stanley cup, especially 2010 when they got upset by Montreal and Halak, the whole narrative was oh, Ovechkin's not a leader. Ovechkin and Backstrom, they're not, Leaders, they can never lead this team like like Crosby and Malkin do. They never lead them to a Stanley Cup. Then Ovechkin, like one year, decided, fine, I'll be a leader this year, and then they won. Then since then, it's just been you know, he's he's been basically missing an action in the leadership department, and no one cares. It's like <laughs> I did it. What more do you want? I want my Stanley Cup, even when my cons my trophy. Get off my back, everyone. I'm gonna have some fun now. Yep, that's all. That's all it is. And uh, the franchise is fine with it. There's no urgency whatsoever. Everybody's still partying, it seems. So. You know, it's yeah. that's fine. Hey, look, you're right. I'd I'd love to be a Cavs fan right now. You know, just like won a cup four years ago, and we're just we're the Alex Ovechkin goal record franchise now. That's it. That's all it is. It's the it's the Washington Chase and Gretzky's and uh, nothing much <laughs> else. Um, so yeah, that's that's the that. Washington Wayne Chasers. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, you love the alliteration. Uh, so okay, that's that's that. Seems pretty straightforward. Um, off to the uh, the last matchup. The banger, probably the most exciting one. It's probably going to be the most talked yes, about. Yes, it definitely is the most uh, exciting one. Honestly, uh, no yeah. matter who Toronto's playing, that would be the most exciting one. Fair, fair. Um, so yeah, that's what we've got. Toronto versus Tampa. Uh, that you know, it only <laughs> yeah, that only got decided like the last day of the season. Um, because you know, Tampa lost a couple games. Boston won a few, but uh, and it ended up being at Toronto, Tampa. And so yeah, we have two juggernauts. Um, two offensive juggernauts going up against each other. The Leafs 
have the best defense they've really ever had this decade. Um, you know, Mark Giordano next to Timothy Lilligren have been like fantastic. And they're like playing like third pairing minutes um, because, you know, Muzz and Brody solid shutdown pairing. And you have Riley playing with Lubushkin. That's been working out apparently. So, so good for them. Um, and really the talk of the town though is, uh, you know, how the, the, the top lines uh, of both of these teams uh, go up against each other. You have Matthews, uh, who uh, sometime this week hit 60 goals. Um, first time since, was it Stamkos? Uh, so yeah. there we go. Just absolutely ridiculous. Scored two against the Red Wings and then uh, didn't play the next game. So he was just, he hit the 60 and then called it, called it a break. Good for him. Get that rest. Um, and so, yeah, that's, he's, just, he's just dominating. And he's taken steps in the defensive zone uh, to the point where he, I think, is his expected goals for as a player is like 64%, uh, which is uh, pretty slanted. Um, and Mitch Marner has been uh, fantastic next to him, just, you know, a superstar. And Michael Bunting has been uh, the, the Mr. Rookie, called their leader at a certain point during the year. Um, but he's been injured, so not sure what the status is there. Sounds like he's going to miss at least one game. Who knows what they'll do, but they've got lots of depth. Well, maybe not so much depth, but you know we'll see what's what's up with 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 uh, Michael Bunting, and yeah. Well, as for the Lightning, you know they they lost their entire second line, but you know they're they're still the Lightning. Uh, you have Stamkos who hit a hundred points this year. Kucherov was on a very steady point pace, um, because but you know he missed a bunch of time with injury. Braden Point's taking a step back on the second line, but he's still Braden Point. Um, but it does seem like the talent is a, a bit slanted toward the Leafs. I got to say, it feels like the Leafs have finally figured it out in terms of kind of rounding out their roster, you know, and the Lightning seems like they kind of took a step back, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Uh, I am going to be taking the Lightning in six. I'm not even, I'm not even going to say it's going to go to seven. Um, I think Vasilevsky just steals the show. I think he's the X factor. Jack Campbell's been fine, um, but I'm not buying this Maple Leafs team. Sorry. Lightning in six. You know, I was kind of hoping you'd put the Leafs so I could go off on you and roast you a bunch. Too bad. And it sounded like you were going to for a second. Yeah. It did. I you. I thought you were about to. thought you were about to. And I got to say, you know, there are a lot of reasons to pick the Leafs. But Absolutely. also, I'm not insane. I'm not <laughs> literally out of my mind. Um, what, what more could you, what more evidence could you possibly need that the Leafs are never going to win a playoff series ever again? There was, you know, the one against Boston in 2018 they lost. Then the next year it was third time's the charm and they lost. And the next year it was, we're finally playing a bad team and they lost. And the next year it was, we're finally playing a team that's downright awful and they lost that one too. They blew that one, the 3-1 series lead. And now it's, you know, a team that's better than all those. And you still have some people who are going, oh, maybe this is the year. I'll be fewer than ever before. I don't think anyone really believes. I think everyone's kind of dead inside. I mean, Leafs fans particularly. <laughs> They're like, yeah, who cares? You know, that type of thing, which could potentially be good for the Leafs. If it's the pressure's off because their fans believe in them, not at all. Maybe that could be an upside. But, you know, I'm not I, I'm not picking the Leafs again. I picked them against the Bruins both times they played them all those years ago. Not happening anymore, all right? And no, if they do win, I'll say, you proved us all wrong. But if I pick them and they lose, then I'll just feel like a big idiot because that's what I would be. If I anyone who picks the Leafs, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is a big fat idiot. So I'm picking the Lightning as well, 
And I did pick seven because that's Toronto's pattern lately is, you know, they get to the last possible game and then play their worst game of the series. So I think it happens again. I, for one, would like to see them regress. Can't even make it a seven. These losers lost in six. Um, <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would disagree with you on one point, though. It does feel like there is renewed optimism within the fan base. I, it just, that's, that's my vibe. That's I don't my get that sense at all. Really interesting. I feel like they're like, oh, this team's so good. You know, like the defense is better than it ever has been. And like Austin Matthews took another step this for uh, another step forward this year. And like Jack Campbell's been fine or like pretty good since he's healthy again. Um, I don't know. That's the read. So I think they're ready to get crushed if they uh, they're like, oh, this is the best way to go. You know, like we're not playing a shitty team. We're playing. We're gonna slay the dragon. Um, we're gonna beat the two-time Stanley Cup champions. You know, like it's like, you know, they're hyping themselves up. They they they're like building a narrative for themselves. Like we're the underdogs, even though they're like, you know, I think Vegas wise, they're they are the favorites in this. So, uh, you know, I think I think uh, there's a bit more optimism than than you might see uh, out in the Leafs fan base. Okay. I think, uh, well, I'm sure some are optimistic. You know what yeah. I'd like though? Yep. Or not? A, you know, it'd be kind of fun. They beat the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. They beat the President's Trophy winners. Then they lose to the Bruins in round three in like four <laughs> games. Oh, God. I'd be down for that. Look. <laughs> me too. Any timeline where they don't win the Cup, great with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, that, that one's particularly funny, actually. If they, uh, <laughs> The Bruins who made their way through the Metropolitan Gauntlet um, yeah. come back to haunt them. Yeah. Uh, classic all right so yeah that's the first round yeah unless you have anything else to add on uh leafs lightning uh nope that is definitely the one i'm most looking forward to though for obvious reasons uh even if there weren't the whole leafs or chokers with demons in their minds narrative that's probably you know the two most you know biggest offensive firepower in that matchup compared to all the others so it's got everything going for it um so i think we Agreed on five out of the eight. We disagreed on Calgary, Dallas, on Edmonton, LA, and on New York, Pittsburgh. So, but we do have the same round two matchup in the Central, which is Colorado, Minnesota. What's your pick on this one? I man, th- this one was tough. This one was tough because you know it's obviously tempting to take the juggernaut. Um, but man, it feels like you know Colorado's got that second round fucking voodoo going on, and. You know, Minnesota's a very good team. Very, very well-rounded. But I think it's I think it's Avalanche in seven. It's just, it's so hard to pick against them. But, man, I feel like if the Wild win two games, it's over. Like, or they get up 2-1. Or, you know, like, it just... It feels like a mentally weak, te- weak team, if I'm being honest with Colorado, to the point where, like, I don't know if they can get back. Like, they might just, like, shit the bed over the course of the series, and that's it. That's all we hear from them. Um, but, you know, I'll st- still pick them against the Wild. You know, I just, I had Colorado in. Yeah. And moving on to round three, and I just changed my mind like five right. seconds ago. I, I understand um, it. I'm not going to dodge yeah, it that. This yeah. one, um, Minnesota, uh, it feels like they can do it, you know? Right. Yeah, they're, good, they're great. They're it feels like they can do it. It feels like Colorado, you know, I think they have like, yeah, they haven't made it past the second round since like 2001 or something like that. Something insane. They are you know they're obviously they're great now they're like odds on stanley cup favorite in a lot of places but they also you know the last month of the season hasn't been their best stretch minnesota's been playing their best that's another aspect of things and colorado was last year against vegas 
they had an amazing start the series, and then it just fell apart. They folded under the pressure. And part of that was uh, Nazem Kadri missed a bunch of that series. He got another suspension. Maybe that happens again for the one millionth time in the past six years that he gets suspended for an extended period of time in the playoffs. That would, of course, be a big blow to uh, to to Colorado's hopes. Not to mention, they might have Jack Johnson in the lineup. That's something we have to consider. So all these, you know, new observations are tipping the scales for me towards Minnesota. There we go. Pick, picking that upset. Minnesota's making it to round three, which I think will be their first time ever. Mm. Uh, I think I saw Jack Johnson has never won in a playoff series. Just ever in his career. That tracks. Was, that think, tracks. <laughs> it does track, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah, hopefully yeah. we don't see uh, too much usage. I would, I would hate to see that for Colorado um, because he will do that to you. He will do that to you. Um, okay, all right. Off to the uh, Pacific. I've got the uh, the Flames and the Oilers, two teams that I don't love in a second round. You know what I mean? Like, man, if it was a team better than the Oilers, I would pick the team, you know, I would pick the Flames to lose. Um, but, man, the Oilers are just McDavid and Dreisaitl and then a bunch of bums, right? Like, that's all they are. So I got to take the Flames because they're, like, actually well-rounded, which nobody has ever said about the Edmonton Oilers uh, in the 2000s. Well, even, I mean, honestly, I feel like even saying well-rounded is a bit of a stretch of the Flames. They have like a pretty bad fourth line and bottom pairing, which I guess it's nitpicking. But I don't even have the Flames in round two, so it's none of my concern. That's right. Um, but you have both the top seeds in your Western Conference final. Very vanilla, boring selections. Yeah, I got it. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in my Pacific round two matchup, I have Dallas and the LA Kings. A couple of powerhouses. So losers. Remember what you said before about the Kings not having like a bunch of firepower and not being scary at all. Yes. All, not even having good goaltending. I agree. So now that they're in a series in which I don't immediately go, oh, picking against whoever's no picking whoever's playing against the Oilers. Now that I actually have to look at the teams, I'm picking Dallas because everything you said at LA is right. They're not very good, and therefore by default. The Dallas Stars are in the conference finals <laughs> playing the Minnesota oh, Wild. All right. You know, I like it. I got to say, I th- it could happen. They just did it a couple years ago, and the team's not that different. They have that great top line, great top four on defense. I'm a big fan of it. Jake Ottinger, I like him. He's a great goalie. Uh, and it's his first playoff, you know, I think he could he could do some big things, okay? I don't think this is as out of the question as perhaps your your laughs would make it seem to be. I think the stars, which is why I predicted that it's going to happen. I think the stars are absolute garbage. They're a bad team. They're like they're not a playoff team. Who's on their third line? Michael Raffle, Radic Faxa, Luke Glendening. <laughs> no, no, that's like their fourth line or something. Wait, or their third and fourth lines are evenly split or whatever. Here, sure. I'm pulling it up right now because okay. uh, Vlad Nemesnikov is on one of the lines. Joel Kiviranta. Uh, right now, actually, what's listed as their third line is Kiviranta, Faxa, and Glendening. And what's listed as their fourth line is Raffle, Nemesnikov, Radulov. And I think both of these lines are probably like, you know, they average out to a third line and a fourth line. I, I'd call them both like Yikes. very weak third lines or very strong fourth lines. So so there, it works. No. Conference finals, just like that. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's quite the take. That's quite the take. It's happening. Oh, man. You wait, wait and it's, see. It's really, it's really a by, oh man, it's really a by default kind of situation, isn't it? Um, see, you'd be saying the same thing if I picked the Kings to beat the Stars. You'd be laughing about that too because they they're not very good. Yeah, but well, that's the thing. Three of the four teams in the Pacific, 
you know, bracket aren't good. They're not good. Or and the other one is prone chokers of mag- of magnetic proportions. So, well, so what? what do you want maybe. me to do? Yeah, maybe it's not such a hot take. It's just it seems absurd though, you know. Um, man, wow, the Preds really missed out on a week half of the bracket, didn't they? Really oh, clowned. They, honestly, oh man, Nashville beat the. I'd have Nashville where I have Dallas now. Ooh. I might. Oh, they don't have Sarah, so never mind. So I probably yeah. wouldn't. Well, maybe they but do by the end, by I the second have. round. Yeah, you know, tough, tough. Uh, you know, maybe big yeah, save I mean, whoever comes up big against the Flames. Yeah, whoever comes out of the Pacific feels like, you know, like a really disappointing result. Yeah, like way. You, absolutely. They're going to get curb stomped by whoever's in the uh, in the Central. Whoever it is. Probably you know? Most likely. Wild Blues, yeah. Avalanche. Take your pick. <laughs> well, if the Flames don't choke, I they could put up a fight against anyone in the Central, I think, especially if it's not Colorado. Um, but yeah, anyway, if it's if it's Dallas, like I'm saying it will. That might be the end of their journey. Yeah. All right. Out to the East. Uh, I've got Boston and Pittsburgh. Both, uh, I think, the lower seeds. So there, there's your upset in my bracket. Uh, I'm taking Boston because, as I mentioned earlier, uh, everything was, you know, screaming at me to pick against the Penguins in the first round. And you have an even better team, a more well-rounded team in the Bruins in the second round. So there we go. Taking the the Atlantic interloper over here to go to the conference finals. Similar logic on my part in this Bruins-Rangers matchup. I had said all year I'm thinking, I'm picking against the Rangers when they make it to the playoffs, but it didn't make sense against Pittsburgh. Against Boston, it makes sense. So I'm picking the Bruins as well. All right. And then off to the uh, off to the Atlantic, we have uh, the same matchup. We have the, the Battle of the Floridas. We have the Florida, and we have Tampa Bay. And I'm going to take a Florida. Mm, man, it's tough. it's tough. It's tough. It makes me think because, like, you know, the Vasilevsky, the goalie factor really does make me worry um, when we're relying on Sergei Bobrovsky or Spencer Knight. And, you know, a franchise that has, like, last year, I know it wasn't the same coach. It's Andrew Burnett now. But they, you know, completely bungled that situation. You know, I think it was Bobrovsky. They started him way too many games. Um, by the by, the time, you know, they put in Knight, it was too late. Uh but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I think the team is is ready to make that jump. I think they've been absolutely, you know, we're talking about last month, you know, forming the last couple of weeks and last month, they've been on a torrid stretch. So, you know, if you if you close your eyes on that 10-2 AHL loss, I think it's, it's Florida's time. I am picking the Lightning. All right. This one is not easy. Last year, Florida and Tampa played in the first round. I picked Florida and no one else did. And everyone else was right, except for me, because Tampa won that one. And again, I just want to make sure I'm preserving the optics here. <laughs> and who and who really is going to call me a big idiot for picking the team that's won the Stanley Cup each of the past years to beat the Panthers? Everyone be like, oh yeah, I see where you were coming from. Whereas, on your end of things, if the Lightning do indeed beat the Panthers, everyone will point and laugh at you and say, hey, you fell for it just because they had a good regular season. What are you, some kind of analytics nerd? Grow up. So yeah, picking Tampa. All right. So I think I think you've got more to lose because you picked them last year. So uh, on the in the optics department, I did pick I did pick Tampa last year. So you know, yeah, it's not a fool me twice situation. It's only a fool me once kind of thing if Florida manages to to let me down this time around. So uh, you know, that's where we're at. Never seen anyone uh, hedge that's their bets. 
I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to pick Florida two, two years in a row against Tampa and have them lose two years in a row to Tampa. Exactly. That's that's yeah. that's, that's bad behavior. It's it's a fool, it's a fool me twice situation, right? You know. Yeah. Exactly. You got to avoid it. So uh, never never seen anyone to hedge their bet so much over a multi year span on a bracket my challenge. Priority, my priority with this bracket challenge is not being correct, but making sure I receive as little ridicule as possible. That's that's a good way to go. Um, Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I uh, I feel sorry that you have received such ridicule in the past. Um, <laughs> it's mostly self ridicule, honestly. It's me beating uh, myself up. I see. Um, a shame to see it's taken such a large toll on you to the point where you're making potentially poor picks. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah. After the third round, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Minnesota versus Dallas. <laughs> I'm taking Man. I'm taking the Minnesota Wild right. to yep. make it into the Stanley Cup final. Fair. The first time ever. Can't you just see it? Can't you see, you know, Kaprizov, Fiala, and all everyone else on the team with a little Stanley Cup final patch on their nice green Minnesota Wild jersey? I can see it already. Cle- clear as day in my mind. Man. And also, Dallas is awful compared to Minnesota. So that made that pick pretty easy. Fair enough. Um, good to hear you finally admit that Dallas is indeed quite awful. Um, but compared uh, to Minnesota, all right, sure. Um, man, it did. It, it must like it does seem nice to be to have a Minnesota pick in the final. Um, I know I picked them. It's I fun. Them right I'm really it, enjoying it this. It's a great vibe. I gotta say, like I'm jealous. You know, like I, I'm picking Colorado in this third round, and it's like this sucks. <laughs> You're jealous Fucking of me of this boring. Point. All right. I want to I want to pick Minnesota, you know, and have, you know, like, you know, the the bracket challenge. You got the two finalists in the middle. I want to see a Minnesota there. Fuck. I don't want to see Colorado. Um, so, you know what? Maybe before tomorrow, that deadline, I might switch it up. But, uh, I, you know, Colorado, Calgary, uh, you got the choker vibes in Calgary. You know, they managed to stick it out in my bracket due to weak competition. I'll take Colorado. Boo, I say about my own bracket. Boring. Terrible. But it is what it is. I mean, if there was one opposition to Colorado, yeah, I was tempted to take Minnesota. I really was. Um, but, you know, it's too late now. It was a fun experience. Highly recommend. Yeah, I, I might. I very, You know, it, it would be fun to cheer for them, too. You know? I know. That's what I want to do. I want to watch them. I want to cheer. And I want Colorado to, like, slowly choke. And that'll be so fun. When you're cheering against a team that's choking, there's uh, no better feeling. Man, I, I just might. I just might. We'll see. I'm very much on the fence. About uh, about that pick. All right. Um, on to All the right. uh, conference final. We have Florida Boston for me, at least, and I am going to take Florida because, yeah, they're just they're just all around deeper, and they have a much better track record of success this year. And you know, Boston's fine. They're a fine team. They're a very good team. You know, I would you know have them as the fourth best team in this conference. Um, you know, but. I think Florida is just a notch above. They're just too deep. Their their talent is just too spread out, and I think that it's just too much for the uh, Boston defense to handle. Even if you have, you know, the Grizzly and the and the McAvoy with the great seasons, I think it's just too much. It's overwhelming. Uh, Colorado, Florida, one seeds all around. Terrible. Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say your finals is the top two seeds in the entire league. Awful. Awful. Excellent work. Thank you. Actually, remember, remember, in one year in March Madness, Barack Obama was like, "Hey, everyone, look at my bracket," and it was all the one seeds going to the end. 
All right, you know what? I'm changing it. I'm changing. I'm taking Minnesota. <laughs> I'm taking Minnesota. Oh, you are? You're changing it to Minnesota? I, my winner is Minnesota now. There's, there's, you can't convince me otherwise. Wait, right. your Stanley Cup fight, your Stanley Cup winner is Minnesota now? Yes. It's spoiler for the wow. fourth, but I'm taking Minnesota you over know, Calgary. All right, go okay. ahead. Okay, and over, and over Florida, I guess. And over Florida. Wow. I'm dead. You know. Well, now I don't feel special anymore having Minnesota in the finals. <laughs> I want, I wanted it to be my thing. Oh well. Too bad. All right, go ahead. Too bad. Um, Tampa, Boston. Tampa, Boston. I'm picking the Lightning. Cause they're straight up better, and in my, you know, <laughs> we've had a a significant stretch here of well, significant as in two years of the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final being heavy favorites against a worse team and killing them, and I think that's what's going to happen for the third time in a row. Tampa Bay will defeat the Minnesota Wild in the Stanley Cup Final in like five or six games. Minnesota will do their best, but they won't be good enough. Tampa here. All right. The three-peat, you know, extremely rare. Hasn't happened in um, since the 80s, I think, in the Oilers, probably. I think Tampa does it again. And that's not just because I'm, like, you know, being the, doing the safe pick or whatever. Don't want to get laughed at, which is part of it. But also, I think, all right, let's, last year with Tampa, I concerned setting into the playoffs. And one of the, the biggest concerns was Victor Hedman hadn't had a good regular season. In the playoffs, he found his top gear. This year... He's been in that top gear basically all the regular season. So I don't really have that concern. I think he's going to be dominant in the playoffs, maybe even step up again. Uh, the defense is pretty much exactly as it was in last year's playoffs. The only difference is actually Zach Bogosian is there instead of David Savard. And if anything, I think that's a slight upgrade. The forwards, the concern people have is the lack of Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman, which, you know, was extremely valuable for Tampa last year and the year before. Um, and I am I am not as concerned about that for not just because Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul, I think, are very good acquisitions that fit the team very well. Uh, and also that they've added Corey Perry, who they didn't have last year. But also, Steven Stamkos, last year in the regular season and the playoffs, uh, was looking like he was on a sharp decline, and yet Tampa won anyway. He was only really producing on the power play. This year... He's had a career season, at least in points. He broke 100 points for the first time. Uh, and now he's pretty much back to like splitting top-line center duties with Braden Point. So I think you know the resurgence of Stamkos plus the new acquisitions can make up for the losses. And I think Tampa's team they have this year is as good as the one they had last year that went all the way and claimed victory. So that's why I think it'll happen again. All right. I think on paper, you've got a point. Um, I think... The way the season's kind of played out, I do. I wonder, like, they need an extra gear. Like, the way they've been playing, they've been good, right? But, you know, you compare them to even the Leafs in the regular season. Well, granted, it's the Leafs, but even, like, you know, the Panthers, they haven't a step behind. And I feel like, you know, like, is there another gear is the question to be asked. If if anyone needs to step it up, it's probably Braden Point. His regular season has was not very good. I think he was, you know, he was injured for a chunk of it. And then when he was healthy, he was at, like, a 77-point pace which, you know, is very good, but it's, you know, it is, it is a bit of a regression for Braden Point. Um, so that's probably the, the performance to be found in this team. Um, but that's the thing. Like, it feels like, you know, you, Stamkos has been fantastic. He's been healthy all season. Kucherov has been healthy for most of it. He was granted he was injured for a long time, uh, for, you know, a solid stretch. And Hedman has been, as you mentioned, great. So, like, you know, like, where, where's the extra gear coming from? 
right, is my question. Is it Vasilevsky? But, like, he hasn't been terrible. He still had a 916 this year. So, you know, it does feel like right now they're not quite the juggernaut as you might see in a Colorado or Florida. So that's that's where my concerns lay because they have had solid performances in the regular season, and yet they're not, you know, at the Florida level in the regular season at least. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I Part of it, it may be, you know, come from Braden Point from individual performances stepping up. Uh, also, as you could, Kucherov missed half the season. Last year, when he missed the, the full 56 games, Tampa was, you know, third in um, third in the division last year, too, and they won. The year before, uh, I don't remember exactly where they were. It was, like, the first ever COVID pause. Um, but I don't think they were, like, President's Trophy level or anything. They had some tough matchups they had to overcome, and they did it. Uh, so, yeah. There. I picked Tampa. And also, I guess... I guess what we're really, you know, the toughest pick for me was Tampa versus Florida. Honestly, that was really the one I think that I had to, you know, and sure, I'll get the lightning through there, I guess. Um, but my other matchups, I have them, you know, Toronto. I didn't think about that one that much for obvious reasons against Boston, against Minnesota. Um, if they do make it to the conference finals, I think at that point, they probably will have made it through Florida and which I guess is through Florida to whoever. Here, here's what I'll say, as my you know, dumb little you know catch-all. He's, he's hedging again. Florida, <laughs> Florida or Tampa will make will win the Stanley Cup. It's one of those two. It's going to Florida, um, because I think either one of them would kill any of the four Metro teams that they'll play, and I also like any of them better than any of the teams in the West. So there, and Tampa's the one I picked, but Florida's the one that I would have picked if I didn't pick Tampa. All right. Yeah, it does feel like out of the West, it's like, you know, the Wild who are good, but, you know, it's the Wild. And then teams with, like, a track record of choking or who suck. So, like, it is tough. Like, you know, like Calgary and Col- Calgary and Colorado are obviously the one seeds out there. Um, but, you know, there are reservations in terms of can they can they make up that hump? Can they, you know, perform in the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Minnesota over Florida. Just the upsets. How? <laughs> How? Well, you know what? They did it against Colorado. You might ask how. How would they beat Colorado? They've gotten this far already. Uh, and, yeah, I'm just vibing. I'm just vibing with the Wild now. Okay. They're my team. Uh, let's, you know, Kirill Kaprizov, Conn Smythe. Easy. Elite defensive team. Elite offensive team. Elite goaltending tandem. Going to be better rested than any other goalie in the playoffs. Uh, so, there we go. You know what? That's not a bad defense, I don't think. Of the wild, they really are a very, very well-rounded team. So, not not to say yeah, Florida isn't, but I, I I don't I don't hate it. You know, I don't hate myself. My Conn Smythe pick is Nikita Kucherov, by the way. Okay, all right. He's finally well, gonna, he deserved it last year, I think. But well, I guess Vasilevsky is quite deserving as well. But Kucherov, they're spreading it around. It was Hedman, then Vasilevsky. This time it'll be Kucherov. Next year, point, and then Stamkos, five in a row. You heard it here first. All right, I will be taking. As I mentioned earlier, Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, how, how old is he? 24, 25? Uh, I think 25 All right. or so. Perfect. That's that's it. All right. I think, yeah. You know, there we go. You know who might win the Stanley Cup? St. Louis might. They almost yeah, beat the yeah. Wild in our imaginations. Absolutely. That's my one concern with the Wild. Like, if I were to, you know, like, in a playoff, well, like, if I'm play, drafting players, I would stay away from the Wild because there is a distinct possibility um, that they lose in the first round, right? Yes. So, this bracket 
my bracket is not well insulated now that I switched my pick from the wild from Colorado to the wild because Colorado has the cheese matchup in the first round. Um, and, and honestly, I foresee a situation where all my final four are out in the first round. Like that's so within the realm of possibility. Yes, you're right. Um, yeah, especially for you, because me, I've got I've got Florida and Calgary, who have easier matchups, one might say. But I, uh, I have Dallas Calgary. against Calgary. Boston <laughs> might lose to Carolina. Yeah, might, Tampa might lose to Toronto. Minnesota might lose to St. Louis. Then I'll be yeah. cooked. So maybe we're not wow. as hedging. I'm as second guessing myself now. I have to say, <laughs> maybe I should just start from scratch. Maybe I should pick all the one seeds like you and like Obama. Right. Yeah, that's that's the thing. If you take the one seeds, they get safe first round matchups. So you don't, you don't. Uh, you know, you're not as worried that you're going to get dumped in the first round. But I got to say, I've opened myself up to significant vulnerabilities by taking uh, the Wild as my literal Stanley Cup champion. So, you know, good that's thing nothing's at stake for us. We might as well yeah. live on the edge. There we go. You'll love to see it. There's There are no monies attached to this bracket, thankfully. Uh, not whatsoever. Perfect. All right. Is there anything else you want to add about uh, our, our brackets, our predictions? It's Man, it's, I can't believe it starts tomorrow. I'm, I'm extremely excited. I'm very excited as well. Uh, last year, my bracket was terrible. I'm looking at my bracket this year. I'm getting the exact same vibes, I have to say. <laughs> I, yeah. think it's gonna yeah. go, I think it's going to go south for me. But I can I, live with that. Yeah. Because if it doesn't, I'll feel super cool. Right, exactly. You know, I, I have exactly the same thing. I think my, my bracket last year was pretty good. Like, I felt good going into it. This year, having Minnesota as my winner, I'm extremely worried. Um, yeah, what but, are you thinking? You're normally taking things like, all. Oh, Boring pick. And now you're like Minnesota Stanley Cup champion? Yeah. Not, not happening. Sorry. It, it's, really? uh, I'm going I'm going to 0 to 100 because it just happened to be that, you know, it was just that one switch point between Colorado and, and the Wild. So, and then I picked the Wild. There we go. And, uh, but yeah, no, this, this, this bracket might fucking go up in flames. And that'd be fine. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a Calgary Flames fun with go up in flames. Um, but I don't think it's there for me, so I won't try. Shame. All right. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's our playoff preview. Do you have anything else you want to add before we call it an episode? I believe that will be all. Thanks for listening to Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, at Taisefu, at Alex's new handle. We skipped guess who this week. Uh, we probably through the first round at least are going to skip those extra activities because of course there'll be so much to discuss. Once the series get to be fewer, then we'll probably open the door back up again for those fun and games. Um, and in the meantime, uh, enjoy the first week of the first round like we will. And I am hyped to talk about it when the time comes a week from today. The end. <laughs>